Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Last year, we launched our course, The Data-Driven Classroom, and had hundreds of educators and clinicians take this course with consistently amazing feedback. I heard from so many teachers how this course really changed the way they approach data, how they were able to set up simple data systems, train their paras, and be collecting data to make data-based decisions within days of finishing the course. That feedback made me so happy. Now that course has been closed and unavailable since last year, but guess what? We are reopening the course, the data-based classroom, and I want you to be one of the first ones in. If data is something you have been struggling with for years, let's work on this together. Let me give you all of the tools to make this something that can consistently happen in your classroom. And guess what? Since you are a podcast listener, and I absolutely love my podcast listeners, I have an awesome code for you. When you use the code DATA100, you're going to get $100 off of the course bundle. Now, this code is only going to be usable until March 20th. So you only have one week to use this code, but Data 100 will get you $100 off of that course bundle. So that means for less than $200, you are getting the amazing data toolkit with literally hundreds of data sheets, all editable. And don't worry, I teach you how to edit it. And that entire data-driven course that touches on academic data, behavior data, staff training, and so much more. There's a link in the show notes with all of the information. Let's make this year the year that data really works. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Let's face it, we all make mistakes. Even the most highly experienced teacher makes mistakes. We make mistakes on a regular basis. But something about those mistakes you made your first year teaching really seemed to haunt you. Or if you are like me, you've completely blocked them out of your mind. I had this idea to talk about mistakes I made as a first year teacher. And honestly, I had like a hard time finding them in my memory because I think I just completely blocked that year out of my head because I was in pure survival mode from the moment I walked into that classroom that very, very hot day in August until the moment that I left in June. And no, I did not sleep there, but actually when I do find some of those memories, it does feel like I slept there because I spent a lot of time in my classroom year one. So today I'm going to talk about the five mistakes I made as a first-year teacher. And no, I didn't only make five mistakes, but these five mistakes are the ones that I commonly see teachers make. And some of these mistakes I see teachers hold on to past year one into year five and year six. 
And these mistakes have broad reaching effects and can really take what potentially could be a great year and make it a disastrous one. So mistake number one, trying to do it all. Let's just sit with that for a second because if you are making this mistake today, you know who you are because you are freaking tired. You feel like you are a hamster running in a wheel and you are doing all of the things, but maybe not accomplishing that much. And there's a lot of us out there that do this. I mean, heck, I still do this all the time, but I lived and breathed this my first year teaching. I really had this expectation that my classroom was going to be absolutely perfect by Friday, the first week of school. You know, I would have a few days settle in and then, you know, we'd get right to doing all the things I learned in undergrad. Oh no, by Friday, the first week of school, I realized I had absolutely no idea what to do. And not only was my classroom not perfect, I wasn't even sure what perfect was supposed to look like. So I instantly tried to just get everything done at once. And that's kind of my personality. I just want to like do it all and do it all immediately. But this really took a toll on me personally, but also me professionally, because I wasn't making any progress. I was trying to simultaneously set up centers and cut out laminating pictures and set up schedules and teach this and prep this. And it was a disaster. I was working myself crazy, but making no progress. I preach all the time now, baby steps, one thing at a time, all of that. And that comes from that horrible first year of trying to do everything at once. I know from experience that that doesn't work. So when I meet new teachers or teachers that are new to special ed, that I see that in their eyes, that they're struggling, they're trying to do everything. That's when I preach the baby steps. You have to take it one step at a time. Rome wasn't built in a day. I'd rather you do one thing great than 50 things halfway. And that means ignoring things. That means putting things off for later. That means letting your brain focus on the task at hand. So what this looks like in a classroom, if you have raised your hand, you're sitting in the car by yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, this is me. Pick one thing. Let the other things go. Pick one center in your classroom. Make that center great. Make that center amazing. Your other centers aren't going to be very good right now. That's okay. Make that one center freaking awesome. Or maybe this looks like taking the most successful part of your day and repeating this. This is kind of an easy hack that we feel like weird to do. But look at your school day right now. If center's time is amazing, is if morning circle is amazing, if your one-on-one direction, direct instruction time is going really well, take that part of your day and repeat it. Do the exact same center or activity or portion of the day again in the afternoon. You can come back from lunch, right back to circle time. Do circle time again because that's what goes well. And then once you start to have success there, then you can start to fade in different content and different activities, but repeat those great parts of your day and extend that into other areas. Number two is ignoring staff training. This one really should have been number one, but I'm sure you guys are so sick of hearing me talk about staff training all the time. This should have been number one because this is probably my biggest offense my first year. 
I completely ignored staff training because I literally had no idea I was supposed to train my staff. I don't know if I like missed that day in undergrad or what happened, but I did not know that was my job responsibility. Sweet little 21-year-old Sasha showing up in her first classroom, I literally did not know I was supposed to train my staff. So when two classroom assistants showed up on day one, ready to report for duty, I was like, cool, yeah, let's go figure out who's going to tell us all what to do because I don't know. So I didn't spend any time working with my staff. Luckily, I had some people on my staff that I really did connect with and we worked really well together. But I also had some staff members that I didn't connect with and I had a really hard time working with. There was a lot of conflict and a lot of heated situations that was really challenging me for for me to deal with as a young teacher, and I think still would have been challenging for me to deal with today. And I didn't make the situation any better because I wasn't leading. I wasn't managing. Of course I had conflict. Of course I had staff members that didn't act the way they were supposed to and do what they were supposed to because I wasn't telling them what to do. So I preach and preach and preach about staff training because I don't want this to happen to anyone else. I don't want anyone else to be midway through the year and it dawning on them out of nowhere that, oh, hey, a lot of these problems are my fault because I have not been managing my team at all. And that's what happened to me. I spent so little time doing this and was so focused on everything else because if you remember mistake one, I was trying to do, you know, all the things, but I was ignoring the most important thing that was teaching my team how to work together. So what could have maybe been a small problem exploded into huge problems, like problems where administrators had to get involved. And that's embarrassing as a first year teacher or a 10th year teacher. And it's hard to deal with in any situation. So ignoring that staff training and thinking that it's not important is hands down one of the biggest mistakes we make at any year of teaching. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of staff training, but if you are intrigued and want to learn more, head over to episode one or episode three of my podcast. I get really detailed about staff training and there's a lot of great information in those episodes. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Number three is not asking for help enough. 
in my district, I didn't have a ton of support. There weren't a ton of consultants or administrators that had high levels of expertise that were coming out to my classroom. So I really felt like I was drowning a lot of the times. Sometimes there were people that came in to help me and oh my gosh, I wish I had a video of me when these people would come in because because I was like an eager puppy dog waiting for a treat. I was literally hungry for help and ideas and feedback. I just wanted someone to tell me that one little thing I was doing was right or in the right direction. So I just literally soaked in every single thing they said and did exactly what they told me to do right away. Because like I said, I needed that help and that support and that direction. But I should have asked for more. When they left, I should have been like, hey, when can we follow up? I felt like I was only supposed to take the help that I was given, those appointments as they came or those scheduled meetings as they came. I never reached out for more help. I should have done that. I should have asked if I could observe in other classrooms. I should have asked if there was a substitute so I could go to a training. I didn't ask for more help because I felt like, oh, well, they're giving me some help. I don't want to look needy or like I don't know what I'm doing. But guess what? I was needy and I didn't know what I was doing. And that's okay. You're a first-year teacher. Your administrators know you need support. And asking for help does not mean that you are a bad teacher. It just means that you want to become a great teacher. So even if you feel like you're getting some help, reach out for more if you feel like you need it. Number four, being the lone wolf. My first year, I kept my head down. I went right to my classroom. You better believe I closed that door. If there was a lock on it, I would have locked it. I barely knew the names of any teachers in my school. Actually, maybe I knew their last name from like the schedule or the announcements, but I definitely didn't know anyone's first names. I was too busy in my number one mistake doing all the things and then also too busy with my mistake number two of ignoring staff training and dealing with staff conflicts to get to know anybody in my school community. I didn't build rapport. I didn't develop relationships. And this was a huge misstep because in later years, when I finally picked my head up for a second and realized that there was a whole community of people around me, I realized that this would solve mistake number three. I had people that I could ask for help and could get support from all right by me. Even if they weren't a special ed teacher, they had great value to share. And also becoming friends with the staff around you makes your workplace such a better place to come. When you come to work and your friends are there, people that you want to chit chat with, people that you want to stop by their room at your lunch break, school is a more inviting place and a place that you want to be. And then When you have those moments of personal time where you can chat about something that's not school related, you come back to work a better teacher because you've had that moment where you've checked out for a minute to check back in. We need those breaks in our day. And those don't come when you're the lone wolf, when you are isolating yourself and you are closing your doors. I talk a lot about inclusion and giving our students opportunities within the school community. Well, guess what? 
That won't happen with that locked door that never opens. You won't even know about the different opportunities throughout the school because you aren't integrating yourself in the school community. You won't know about the school play or the junior high field trip or jeans day for specific grades if you're not part of those groups. So I know you have so much to do. I know that sometimes socializing seems like a job. Believe me, I get it. But force yourself to embrace the school community and being a part of it, getting to know the teachers in your hallway, getting to know the staff in the office and the lunchroom, building that rapport because it will pay back in dividends. Number five, understanding the importance of safety. I say this all the time. The most important thing you can do every single day is keep those babies safe. Yes, those babies. Each one of your students is someone's baby. Even if they are 15 and 220 pounds, that is someone's little boy. And we are in charge of keeping them safe from the second they get on that school bus to the second they get off. And that's a big undertaking. That's a huge responsibility. And I cannot imagine the stress that a parent has putting a child with limited language on a school bus or into a classroom that first time, not knowing how they will find out about how their day went, if their child was scared or hungry or uncomfortable or happy. So it's hard. It's hard as a parent and it's hard as a teacher to take on that responsibility. I really didn't realize the weight of that responsibility my first year. And as I'm recording this podcast, I'm kind of laughing in my head because all of these big messages that I share all the time, like staff training and starting small and safety, these kind of all stemmed from the big mistakes I made my first year. I learned some of these things the hard way. And I don't mean to brag about that. That's not something I'm proud of. You shouldn't learn the safety lesson the hard way. That means something real bad happened and you don't want something real bad to happen. And I had a bunch of really bad things happen my first year. Actually, day two, my day one went really, really well. Side note, everyone in my family called me after day one of teaching, how'd it go? How'd it go? I'm like, oh my God, it's great. I'm going to be so good at this. Yeah. I knew I shouldn't have said that, right? Whenever you jinx yourself like that. Then day two happened. And day two was maybe one of my top five worst days of teaching. There were like many situations going on. One of them being a large toileting disaster. And the other worst one being losing a child in the basement of the school. He was still in the school, but he was lost in the maze that is the basement of a very, very, very old school building. And it was absolutely terrifying and horrifying. And I cried and ate French fries for like five days to get over it. So learning those safety lessons the hard way is not what you want to do. You want to recognize this huge responsibility that is keeping those kids safe. And this is acknowledging the importance of staffing and safety checks and behavior plans and double and triple checking things and having more plans than you need and more people than you need and thinking about those worst case scenarios. If you don't have a crisis plan, walk into your classroom today and put that on your to-do list. Even if you have kids with minimal problem behaviors, you still need a crisis plan because then you will be ready for that crisis. Hopefully you never use it. That's what safety is about. 
Safety is about planning for the worst case scenario and then never having to use that plan. That's how you know you are keeping everyone safe. If you want to learn more about crisis plans, I'm going to link a blog post in the show notes that has actually a free download. This is a great thing to talk about with your staff and get all your staff on the same page with this kind of heavy, heavy importance of making sure we think about safety every minute of our day. In this field, you don't have to actually be a first-year teacher to have that first-year teacher feeling. In our job, we're never bored. As Dr. Stephen Shore says, if you've met one individual with autism, you've met one individual with autism. And it can take one student or even one combination of students to take the most veteran teacher right back to her first year. Year seven might be just really hard for you because of the way your class is set up or the needs of the students. So if you are feeling some of these things and you're in year 10 or 11 or 12, don't feel discouraged. Year one feelings creep up all the time. So if you're making one of these mistakes, call yourself out. We're always getting better. We're always learning and growing. And as long as you can identify things that you can change, you are on the right track. Did you know that two out of three teachers turn to Teachers Pay Teachers for educational resources? As a seller on TPT, this makes me so excited. I love seeing educators turn to other educators for support in their classrooms. There are so many great resources on Teachers Pay Teachers. And this could be made even better if we could involve school budgets in this process. Enter TPT for Schools. TPT for Schools makes it easy for administrators and teachers to collaborate when making curricular decisions. TPT helps you set up a way of using school funds for these resources. This is a new program and there's already over 5,000 schools registered. In the special ed world, this is even more important because we don't have that many resources and the resources that are provided for us might not be so appropriate for our class. To learn more about TPT for Schools, visit schools.teacherspayteachers.com. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.